Come on in. Take a seat. Why don't you grab a pen and paper? Sure. Okay. And what I'm going to have you do is write a letter to your son that you're going to give to him when he turns 18. I want you to write a letter to your daughter. Okay. For when she turns 18. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Oh, son's only four years old, so this will be interesting. Dear Olivia. Dear Mason, you won't read this letter for six years, and a lot could change between now and then. Hopefully, you've learned by now that it's important to put on clothes before you go outside. Maybe you've learned that vegetables are your friends. I sincerely hope that all of the dabbing has finally stopped. And also that it's pronounced mac and cheese. Not monkey cheese, mac and cheese. You dream of becoming a famous singer, so thank you in advance for all the free concert tickets. Is this still your goal to be a professional YouTuber? I know you were hoping to become a giraffe when you grew up, but hopefully you have some even better career options now. It hasn't always been easy. I sat on a piece of gum you left on a chair yesterday and didn't find out until after work. The dishes really do go in a dishwasher. It's not like a metaphor or something. Remember when you cut your own hair and then you tried to fix it? Basically, I didn't sleep for three years straight. But I can tell you this. Despite all the struggles, all the tears, it was completely worth it. And I would do it again a hundred times over for you. You are a gift and a blessing. You've changed my life. You are beautiful and strong. You have so much energy in life, and I can already see how incredibly smart and fearless you are. More than anything, I want you to know that I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever you need. You have made me so proud. And I am excited to see how God uses your life. You're ready to take on the world. With all my heart. Love always... Dad. 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 Man, happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. Um, I want to talk to everybody in the house today. Today is, is no different, and uh, I'm going to be talking a lot to the dads, but I'm talking to the moms, talking to the students, talking to brother and sister today. Ain't nobody going to escape today, okay? So I'm going to hit you all, but let's, let's go right into our opening text, Proverbs 23. Look what it says here in verse 21. For the drunkards and gluttons become poor. We need to repeat that one more time. Hey, drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. But listen, everybody say, listen. Listen to your father. Oh, that'll preach right there. How many dads will say amen? Let me repeat that again. Melissa, Preston, Landon, Hallie and Hayden, listen to your father who gave you life. And he'll take it from you if he has to, all right. Who gave you life? And do not despise your mom when she is old. We won't go there. By the truth, by by the truth, and do not sell it. Let's say it together. Say, by the truth, and do not sell it. Let me say this to you. Don't sell out. Hear me today, church. Don't sell out. He goes, wisdom and instruction and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has a great joy. 
a man who fathers a wise son. He rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. So if the man who has a wise son rejoices, then he turns around and says, and may your father and mother rejoice. He's like, otherwise, hey, listen, be wise. Be wise so your parents can rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. Today, I want you to get this in your heart, and I want you to receive this today. I don't want you to sell out. It's important that we got to realize that the world will try to get us to sell out. And what I mean by that is this, that the world will tell you what your value system should look like. The world will tell you this is how you should raise your family. The world will tell you this is the path to greatness. The world will tell you this is how you need to live your life. In every generation, it is slowly drifting away from the foundation of God's word. And at some point, mom, dad, dads, don't let it happen to you. Mothers, don't let it happen to you. Son, daughter, don't let it happen to you. Don't sell out the truth. The truth of the foundation of God's word. At some point, you got to say, listen, the world will tell you it's okay. You just come to church when you want to. The world will tell you that all paths lead to heaven. The world will tell you take care of yourself first and you're the most important thing. And they, they tell us all this selfish idealism. It tells us all these things about self-indulgence. and It tells us just live your life how you want to. We all get to the same heaven. And let me be very clear. Somebody's got to stand up and protect your life, your home, and say, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, as for me and my children, we are going to hold firm to the foundation of God's word, and we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to forsake not assembling together. We're going to forsake not using our faith. We're going to believe God for the miraculous. We're going to pray for the sick and declare miracles. We're going to believe that God still has a work he wants to do here on this earth through us. If we'll just believe, we'll just dream it, we'll just see it. We're going to pass something down. What are you going to pass down? Listen, when your children, when you have biological children, you pass on certain genes to them, right? And even if those of you who adopt, man, you pass on certain traits that they just catch from mom and dad. What will you pass on? Will you pass on a heritage? Will you pass on a commitment? Will you pass on a faith? Will you pass on to, man, we're prioritizing right according to the scripture. Are we doing this or am I passing on that, man, we, the house of God is really not that important. We got all these other things and we just fit God in what's left over. Do we prioritize that, you know, we're going to give our first to God. Are we teaching and we just give God our leftovers? Are we teaching our children that to live in anxiety and fear? Are we teaching our daughters? just to be with any man because she's got to have that security or we telling them true security comes through a relationship with the father what are we teaching them what are we tra- teaching them and training them to be we're going to pass something on and i want to pass on the greatness of god how about you i want to pass on god's greatness to the next generation i want to pass on god's greatness today i want to talk to you about finding your greatness Finding your greatness. Is it okay if I just talk to you today the same way I would talk to my kids? 
I, I want, listen, I just really feel like some people, man, you never had anybody just really speak into your life. And today I want to just teach to you and teach and preach. And no matter who you are today, I want to talk to you, not because I'm trying to talk down like my children, but I want to speak something into your life that I believe God wants you to hear. I want to speak something into your life. And just as much as I value my children, I value being a father. Listen, one of the most important things in my life, the most important thing next to my relationship with the father is being a father, man. And nothing brings me more fulfillment than being a dad. Nothing has been more joy in my life than being a dad. And I declared a long time ago that I was going to do this and, and enjoy it, and I love it. And today, we're going to pass something on to the next generation. And it doesn't matter who you are, I believe this word's for you today. Let's go ahead and jump right into our text in John chapter 14. Look what Jesus said. Let's pick it up in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Man, Jesus did some pretty awesome things, didn't he? I mean, think about it. Jesus said, we'll do even greater things than he had done. Wow. I mean, we're talking about the man who raised people from the dead, who healed the sick, who turned the water into wine. Some of you said, hallelujah, I need that one. But whatever it is today... You need to figure it out and say, you know what? Jesus said even greater things. I began to think about this the other day. I was like, what, what could we possibly do that Jesus didn't do? What could we possibly do that Jesus couldn't do or didn't do? And I was thinking, you know, one of the things Jesus wasn't able to do, he was never a physical father. He was never, he never had children. God didn't call him to marry and to have children. He left them free and single so he could go out and he could disciple and train and spread the word. And so, but what an awesome, he said, even greater things you're going to do than I did. What a great thing we have to bring up our family, to bring up our children, to pass on a spiritual heritage to them, to pass on a faith to them. What a great thing we have to do to pass on, to, to believe in the Father, raise up the standard for God. What a great thing we can pass on. He says, and you will do this and you'll ask him anything in my name and I will do it for you so that the son of what? So the son can bring glory to the father. Jesus said, everything I do is to bring glory to the father. Listen, he wants everything in our life to bring glory to the father. He wants the greatness of God to come out of you to shine the glory to the father. He wants the greatness of God so you can have an impact on your generation, on your friends, on your family. He goes, if you love me, obey my commands. And he, he already defined that saying, listen, the greatest command is love each other and love the Lord with all your heart. He said, love me, man. Keep these commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Hear me today. He said he will never leave you. He will never leave you. What is that advocate's name? He goes, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. Because it isn't looking for the Holy Spirit. They're not looking. They don't recognize the Holy Spirit. But you know him. Listen to me, Destiny. You know him. You know him. And the Father has sent you the Holy Spirit. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will empower you to do even greater things if you'll just tap into that, submit to that, and say, Holy Spirit, let's roll today. Let's go for it. But you know him because he lives inside of you. And later will be in you. 
And he goes, no. And he answers the question again, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. What an awesome thing today that we know that God has not abandoned us. You are not alone. You're not doing life alone. You may feel like you're the only one who's pulling yourself along, but you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. And if you'll submit to it, will lead you and guide you and empower you. He God will not leave you as orphans. You are not an orphan today. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. He said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. So today, there's a greatness inside of you, I believe, that God is wanting to do in our life. And I, if you've never heard anybody say today, I want to say to you, I believe, sitting in the seats this morning, inside of everybody, I'm saying everybody in this room today, that there is something great that God wants to do in your life. I see the greatness of God inside of you. I see more than where you're at today. I see you more than a past failures. I see you more than circumstances. I see you more than the way you was raised. I see you more than your failures. Today you are God's child, and there's greatness living inside of you that God is wanting to come out. So how do we get to that greatness? That's the million-dollar question, right? Well, today, the Bible is very clear about some really cool cats, man. These guys were cool. They were in the uh, the mighty men of David. And there's a top three list. We'll get to it in just a second. But, man, they really have some great things. Let me give you three things. Write this down. I want everybody taking notes. Come on. Even teenagers, they want you taking notes. So this is going to change your life, okay? I want you to review these notes and keep these notes on your phone, in your notebook. Because this is some things that can really separate you for greatness in your life. In the kingdom of God, in your everyday life as well, number one, you must train for greatness. You must train. Everybody say train. You must train for greatness. It doesn't just happen. Greatness doesn't just fall into people's laps. you got to train for it. Anybody who's ever done anything great, they they train, they specialize, they, they worked hard for it. It doesn't just happen. Let me say this to you in another way. Greatness won't come easy. If you're looking for the easy train, greatness won't follow it. Greatness is wrapped up in opportunity, and most of the time it's called hard work. It's a lot of hard work behind it, a lot of commitment behind it. There's a lot of dedication behind it. The Bible says that David had 30 mighty men, and these guys were like special ops, and they were like the Navy SEALs. These were some bad Men. Let's just say that way. These were some bad dudes right here. Okay. These guys were the baddest of the bad. I mean, these, oh man, my blood, my blood gets pumping. I mean, they were brave heart all over again. These guys were mean. These guys were skilled. They were good. And out of the 30, the Bible says there was three of them that really led those 30 men. Three of them that had something a little different. Let's really tap into these guys and see the traits here that they brought. Uh, 2 Samuel, let's look at this. 2 Samuel 23.8 talks about the first one here. And these are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first one was Jehoshaphat of the Hacklemite, who was the leader of the three. He was the leader of the top three. The three mightiest warriors among David's men. And look what it says about him. Once he used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Not in a lifetime, not throughout his whole military career. One battle, he used a spear to kill 800 enemy warriors. You're talking about skill. 
You're talking about, I mean, you don't just do that by accident. You just don't do that by holding your spear up and ducking your head, hoping somebody runs into it. This guy was skilled. He could hit the crack in the seam of any armor. He knew exactly how to pierce the armor. He knew where to pierce the heart. He knew where to take him down. And he was so skilled. Can you see it out there? I mean, all this ninja skills happening with this dude. Killing these people and warrior. There, 800 men. He killed 800 in one time. It doesn't happen unless you are skilled. You know, uh, this this name Jehoshaphat means uh, his name. Remember, I told you about names in the Bible that oftentimes they were not named at birth, or if they were named at birth, oftentimes they would change their name because their name would always go back to reflect some big event, character trait, whether it be good, whether it be bad, that happened in their life. And we see where Jehoshaphat's uh, name simply means dwelling and rest, dwelling and rest. What you go back and look that up, it really means to be very well disciplined. Meaning he was a disciplined person. He spent hours upon hours training and honing his craft. He could dwell, he could rest well because he knew that he was at the pinnacle of his craft. He knew there was nobody else going to beat him in a sword fight. He knew there was nobody else going to beat him in a spear fight. He knew that nobody else was going to beat him in a hand-to-hand combat. He knew that, man, he was skilled and he rested in that because he knew he had worked himself to a point where he was skillful enough he could rest in that. Very well rested. I want to give you underneath this one point, I want to give you five quick things. Five disciplines for greatness. You've got to have these disciplines. He was a disciplined man. Man, Jehoshaphat was a disciplined person. He had to be to kill 800 people in one, in one battle. Number one, you've got to be proactive, okay? You've got to be proactive. Greatness just won't happen to you, as I said. Great things happen when people get up and put things into motion. Nothing great is going to happen to you just sitting around waiting for something great to happen. You're never going to get anything accomplished by just sitting around and waiting. When's my break going to happen? When's my thing going to come in? When's this door going to open? All these things. you got to get up. When am I going to get hired? Well, when you get up and fill an application out. Come on now. now hear me now. I want to talk to you just like talk to my kids, okay? Listen to me. You go online now and you fill an application. How is that boss supposed to see you? hear you, know who you are, if all you're doing is filling on an online application. So listen to me. Fill out an application online and then go back to the store and say, I want to speak to the manager. I want to let you know this is my name and I have filled out an application online. Please, are you guys hiring? Let me, if not, let me know. If he doesn't say anything, come back the next week and do the very same thing. They need to know. They need to see your face. Listen, doors don't open up just because you're filling out an application online. You got to get out. Come on, my mamas and dads. Give me some amens here. Okay. You got to get out. You got to open some doors. You got to have some proactiveness. There's always something you can do to improve, no matter how old you are, no matter how seasoned you are, no matter how skilled you are. There's always an area you can improve on. There's always an area you can take your leadership up to. There's always an area you can get better at. Learn to be skilled. Learn to improve yourself. Learn to be proactive. Listen to me. Stop blaming everybody else for where you're at. At some point, you got to take responsibility. Yes, I know there's people here that were dealt a very difficult hand in life. 
You had some very negative things happen to you growing up. You had some very negative circumstances, but now you're an adult. You're in control of your own life, and you can spend the rest of your life pointing back at what you didn't have, what happened to you, blaming everybody else for where you're at, or you can say, you know what, the past is behind me. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to do something of myself. I'm going to do something. You've got to be proactive. Right, Pastor Mike? I got a vision. I want to have a restaurant. Man, I want to have a catering business. I can't afford that, but I can afford the tent. I'll put up a tent. I'll buy me a little smoker. I'll borrow a friend's smoker if I got to. I'll, I'll smoke it out there and let that open up one door until another door opens up. I got to do something. You got to do something. Be proactive. You got to be good. God use you now. Don't sit around waiting. The great things are not just going to fall in your lap. God's looking for you to take a step of faith. God's wanting you to use faith. I want God to use me, but then start serving. Start serving somewhere now. No one's going to beat your door down to do great things until you get out and get your hands dirty and serve somewhere. All right, all right. I know I'm preaching a little better than you're saying amen this morning. Stop blaming other people. Take responsibility for where we're at now. Learn to prioritize. You've got to prioritize. Listen. Keep first things first. Listen, these people who have great things in life, they have learned to prioritize. You got to keep the first things first. You got to say, you know what? I'm going to keep God first in my life no matter what. Nothing comes above God. Not my job comes, not my income, not my debt. Nothing is coming above God. Keep first things first. If I'm married, nothing's going to come above my marriage. I have children, nothing's going to come above my family. Listen, early on in ministry, I made it very clear when I started Destiny Church, and we started Destiny Church with just a few people, and I declared it several years in a row, and I told the church, I will not win the world and lose my family. The family will always come first to me. And I've declared it, and I've taught other pastors, and I told them the same thing. Don't win the world and lose your own children. And so if I'm going to caution one way or the other, I'll always caution investing in my family because I believe it's my first and most important responsibility. Father, it's your most important responsibility. Yeah, come on, that's good, yeah. Listen, I applaud you dads who are working two, some of you three jobs to support your family. We need a strong work ethic, and I applaud that. There's not enough of that today. We need people who are not afraid to work, but listen... Don't work so much to provide your family with things if you can't be present in their life. They need your time more than anything. They need your time more than anything. Dad, they need your time more than anything. Dad, they need your time more than anything. Mom, they need your time more than anything. Grandma, Grandpa, they need your time more than anything. It's the most important thing. We give them our time and we invest in them. Listen, don't raise up this great fortune only to have nobody there to share it with when you're done. Don't gain the world and lose your family. All right, let's go number three. Be purposeful. You've got to have a purpose. Be very purposeful in what you're doing. Let me put it in another way. Be the very best at your assignment. The other day, my, my son, I was on his way to work. Like, Dad, man, I dread going into work today. 
Man, we got this big catering thing. And, man, they're going to bring me these. I just know they're going to bring out these big catering dishes that are caked over with barbecue and all this other stuff. It takes them like 30 minutes to scrub up one pot pan. You go, this thing, oh, man, it's going to be a long night, Dad. And I looked at him and said, son, I want you to be, you need to be walking and say, you know what? I'm going to be the best dishwasher this company has ever had. Why? Because you're different. You have a different mentality. You have a different work ethic. You do that and you won't be scrubbing pots very long. I promise you that. You got to be purposeful in what God has called you to do. Do it as unto the Lord. You want to stand out? Listen, all you got to do is be dependable, be faithful. Be a little bit early, and you'll stand out from this wimpy crowd who doesn't know how to hold a job. Come on now. I'm just telling you, there's got to be a generation of workers that will raise up and say, as for me, I'm going to do things according to what God has planned in my life. I'm not talking, listen, it's not like it used to be when people, everybody worked hard, scrambling. Now, all you got to do is just work hard, and you stand out. You stand out because we're lacking people with a focus and a dedication. And God wants to promote you and use you. Be purposeful. I remember one time and I was in college and I, I took a job at a, at a sporting goods store here locally. And as I was going, man, I was working this, this job and I was in there. I was like, man, this person who's running the store and these managers, man, they had no clue what they're doing. I felt like I had more wisdom. I had come from a bigger store before, and I'd been working this retail thing since I was 16. I was like, man, I know more than these guys know. And, man, they're horrible bosses. I hated going into work there. I hated working there. They persecuted me because I was a Christian. I wasn't partying with them. And all these things were happening. And, man, I hated my job, but I knew I needed the job to support myself to go through school. And so I was sticking it out. And one day the boss called me at 7 o'clock in the morning. Not the boss. I'm sorry. The owner of the company was in town. He had 13 stores. He, he called me up. He said, Gene, this is so-and-so. I want you to meet me at the store at 7 a.m. I'm like, oh, whoa. You'd never called me before. And now the owner of the company called me. He wants me to meet him at the store at 7 a.m. I met him there at 7 a.m. He goes, here's your key. I'm changing the locks. He goes, I'm firing everybody that works here. Today, I'm cleaning the house. Everybody in this store is getting fired except for one person, and that's you. And you're going to become my new manager. I want you to manage this place. What do we got to do to get you as a manager? He goes, because everywhere I go, every manager of the other store says, everybody down here is a waste of time except for one person, and your name keeps sticking out. That you do things the right way. That you're dependable, and you treat customers right, and you follow through with what you're supposed to do. And you're the only one everybody keeps talking about, so I'm going to promote you to manager today. I went from working as a part-time salesman, making a part-time salary, to saying I could set my salary. I was making more than my professors were making, and I was going to college. And I set my out. I'm in college. All right, we'll work it around your schedule. How can we work it around your schedule? Someone said that was God's favor. Why? Because I was purposeful in what I did. I did my job as unto the Lord. Listen, do your things unto the Lord. you got to be purposeful, prioritize, be proactive you got to be people-focused. The things God will measure us when we get to heaven is how we love each other. He, he's going to come in. If you're forgiven, if you're covered by the blood, we walk into heaven by his grace. But then he's going to say this. All right, who led somebody to Jesus? 
Who won somebody to the Lord? Here's your crown. Here's your crowns. Here's your jewels and your crown. Here you go. We're going to have all these crowns that he's going to give us because we've won people and loved people into the kingdom. Listen, he wants you to be people focused. God doesn't want to make you great just so that you can be great. He wants you to make you great so you can have a great influence. He wants you to be great so you can have a great impact. It's all right to make a lot of money, but are you investing that into the kingdom? It's all right to have a great influence, but are you telling people about who Jesus is in your life? Are you influencing people? Remember, nobody gets to the top alone. Be careful who you pass on your way up success ladder because you'll face those same people coming back down the ladder. And we all go through times of ups and downs. You're going to face those same people. The same people you showed kindness to. The same people you showed grace to. The same people you showed love to on your way up to success. They're going to show you that same grace, that same love, that same passion on your way down. Okay? You're going to need that. It's about investing in people. It's about being people focused. You don't do it alone. Listen, don't win the world and you have nobody to share with. Listen, don't, don't amass a fortune and you haven't shared it with nobody. You haven't passed on what God has wanted to do. And the last thing of this point is to be passionate, man. you got to have a passion. Having an intense emotion or feeling. Find something you're passionate about. My, my kids, as they are now are all entering that age, they're in college and high school at the end of their careers, and they're saying, all right, how do I find a major? How do I find what I want to do in life? And I always ask them the same thing. What are you passionate about? And if you don't know that, it's okay. But at some point, you're going to find something you're passionate about and just run with it, man. When you, when you get a passion for something, go with it. And if you do what's in your passion, then you'll never work a day in your life. If you find something you're passionate about, then you'll never be working a day in your life. Because, man, you're, you're loving what you're doing. You're passionate about what you're doing. You're passionate about helping people. And how can I take this thing that God has given me passion about, and how do I use it in the kingdom? Listen, God hasn't called every one of us to work for the church. Then nobody would be in our schools. Nobody would be in our hospitals. Nobody would be in our workplace. Nobody would be in our factories. Nobody would be in our retail places. Nobody would be in our shopping centers. we got to be places. And God has got us there working out our passion so that we can show people the love of God. Find something you're passionate about. Listen, parents, don't raise your kids to do what you want them to do. Don't, don't you have it? I know you get this big plan laid out for your kids. We all get there, okay? But at some point, you got to back off and say, God, your plan. God, let their passion come out and encourage them to find their passion. I, I've had people ask me, Pastor Gene, how, how, what did you do? What did you do to get your kids to, to be so plugged into church and so plugged into ministry? And I can tell you, I've never asked one of my kids to say, you know what? you got to serve in ministry. you gotta, you got to do this, you know, other than we just, it's always been expected. We're going to be involved in the local church. We're all going to support the local church. We're all going to be giving our time and talents. But you know what? Because of that, they found their passions, and they're learning to use their passions and fit them into the church and fit them into local ministry, and they're serving the Lord, and they're using their giftings have an influence on the kingdom. Why? Because they're following their passions and their passion leads them to kingdom work. Matthew 6 21 says it like this, where your treasure is, there desires of your heart will be. And so man, where's your treasure? Do you treasure a relationship with the father? If so, your desires will be there. Do you treasure having a better marriage? The desires of your heart to be there. Do you treasure having a strong family? The desires of your heart will be there. 
What are you treasuring? You got to prioritize and make sure it's staying there. So we're training for greatness. And the next two are going to be a lot, a lot faster. The last two. Number two, stay in the fight, okay? Stay in the fight. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay in the fight. Don't run. Stay in the fight. 2 Samuel 23, verses 9 to 10, talks about our next dude here. Next in the rank of the three was Eleazar, the son of Dodea, and the descendant of Oha. Once Eleazar and David stood together against, this is, look at this story. Once David and Eleazar stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. He killed the Philistines, talking about Eleazar, he killed the Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. And the, some versions talk about they had to actually pry his fingers off his sword because he had clutched his, his sword for so long and so tightly. And he stood his ground and he fought with his king and he fought with David. And they killed, killed the whole army and they fought him off themselves. And the Lord gave him a great victory. Everybody say great. Great victory. You want greatness to come? Stand your ground. Listen, learn to stay in the fight. Learn to stay in the fight. Quit running every time something gets hard in your life. Quit running every time the enemy tries to intimidate you. Quit running every time things don't go your way. Quit running every time things are not happening the way you want it to happen. Every time you get your feelings hurt. Every time something bad happens to you. Every time you get in an argument. Every time something happens, we, we want to leave. No, you got to stand your ground. I gotta, I gotta quit running. God blesses. The greatness happens to those who stay in the fight. Elazar means God has helped. That's what his mean. That's what his name means. God has helped. Listen, don't give up when you are there and you draw out the, the armor. Of God, you say, you know what? I'm going to raise up the armor. I'm going to raise up the shield of faith. I'm going to raise up the sword of the spirit, man. I'm going to raise it up right now, and I'm going to stand my ground, and I'm going to work. Enemy, you may try to intimidate me. You may come against me. You may try to come against my marriage. You may try to come against my finances. You may try to come against my children, but I'm going to stand my ground. I'm not going to be intimidated because God is with me. God has not orphaned me. God is not running. He's staying with me. And sometimes it just takes me planting my feet on the solid rock to stay and say, I'm staying focused. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to leave. I'm staking this thing head on. Come on now. You got to have a backbone about you to stay, to stay. Some of you, every time it gets hard, you you've left. Listen, your marriage is going to get hard. If you're not married, your marriage is going to get hard. It's even going to be difficult at times. There's going to be things happening, and sometimes you just got to say, no, not today, devil. I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm working through. And some of you are like, Pastor, I wish I wish that I heard this message before. I'm on my second marriage. I'm on my third marriage. Well, listen, it's never too late to say, all right, all right, I've done that in the past. I've, I've ran in the past, but I'm sticking it out today. I'm staying it forward. I'm going to go forward in what God's wanting me to do. I'm staying in the fight. God will never leave you. Listen, the enemy wants you to quit. He wants you to give up. He wants you to stop and throw in the towel. But greatness will follow those who don't quit, who stand your ground. Listen, God's going to test your faith. Or he's going to allow your faith to be tested either way you want to look at it. But at some point, you've got to say, God, I'm not leaving. 
You can depend on me. He doesn't need people that when it gets tough, they're going to just run. He wants the people who's been through the fire a few times. He wants the people that when everybody else left, they stayed. He wants the people that when everybody else was running, they stood there, took to the ground and said, no, as for me and my house, we're staying focused. As for me and my life, we're staying focused. We're going to continue to do what God's called us to do. We're going to keep our eyes upon Jesus. We're not going to bow to the idols of the world. We're going forward. We're going forward. Enemy, you will not intimidate me. You've got to stand that ground. You've got to stand that ground. Don't be intimidated. Don't let them get you to quit. Greatness follows those who won't quit, who stand the ground. Number three, your past does not define your future. Listen to me. Your past does not define your future. Pastor, I've blown it. Man, I've made some. Welcome to the club. Let me give you some insight. We've all blown it somewhere, sometime. And some people, you've blown it multiple times. It's not about if you blow, it's about will you get up and keep standing? Will you stay there? Your past does not have to define your future. You can do great things even though you've had a difficult past. You can do great things even though you've had failure in your past. Even if you've had great failure in your past. God wants to redeem your past. God wants to redeem your future. Look at 2 Samuel 23. Look at our third warrior it talks about here. Next in rank in verse 11 of chapter 23. Next in rank was Shemal, the son of Agai from Herar. One, the one time, this is a pretty cool story. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and they, they attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. And lentils was a crop that they harvested to feed. And so the Philistine army's coming because if they can steal the crops, number one, they can get nursed. They can get strengthened. And they can take away that nourishment from their enemies. So you can understand why they would want to steal these crops. And so David's got the, the army of Israel out there guarding their crops. The Israelites show up, and look what happens. The Israelite army fled. Now, is it just me? Do we see a very similar pattern in all of these stories? Every time, the Israelite army, I mean, we hear about all these great guys, but I want you to know there's a bunch of other ones that always took off. And there's a reason why they never are named by name. There's a reason why we never hear anything great about them, because they always left. We always hear about the ones who stuck it out. We always hear about the ones who stayed and believed God. We always hear about the ones who didn't give in and throw in the towel. It says they fled, but Shema, he held his ground in the middle of the field. Can you see this? Keep him going out in the middle of the field. Oh, man, I'm getting excited just picturing this right now. He said, not today, Philistines. It ain't going to happen. So the Lord brought about a what kind of victory? God brought out a great victory because one man decided he was going to stay. Now, before you get too excited about this one man, the word Shema was a name that meant deserter or a failure. So evidently, somewhere in his past, he didn't hold his ground. Somewhere in his past he he didn't show up to fight somewhere in his past and he was marked for it but he didn't just hold his ground but can you see him growing today and just saying you know what not today 
it's time for me to stand up like a man and hold to my assignment and trust the Lord and believe. I've heard what God has done through the other great warriors and I believe God wants to do it in my life as well. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to fight for my king. I'm going to fight for my Lord. I'm going to fight and do what I'm told to do. And that day a great victory came. See, there comes a time in all of our life when we can't let our past define us. You've made, listen, some of you here, you got past things. Some of your past, you got addiction. Some of your past, you got alcoholism and drug addiction. Some of you got several things that we just make a long list of things. Some of you in your family, you got a long list of family problems, poverty. Some of you got a long list of infidelity. Some of you got a long list of all these different things. At some point, dad, mom, you got to stand up and say, this generational curse ends with me. It ends today. I'm not going to be another victim. I'm not passing this on to my kids. I'm holding my ground. Not today, Satan. You can't have my harvest. You can't have my family. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my children. You can't have my finances. You can't have my heart. I'm standing my ground. I'm standing my ground. And when we do that, the Spirit of the Lord will empower you. He will not leave you. And you will be empowered to overcome any battle you face. Because we are already been given to victory if we'll just stand. And you say, I'm passing on something different to my family. It's time. It's time for me to pass on something different. The last scripture I want to read you is 2 Samuel 23, 15. David kind of wrapped up a story about all three of these guys. He says, he was telling the story. He goes, David remarked lovingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well of the gates of Bethlehem. Now, realize at this time, the enemy had surrounded Bethlehem. And David was hiding out with his mighty men in the cave. They were hiding. They couldn't return home because the enemy was all surrounding the city. And you can imagine why he's there. He's kind of daydreaming, you know, just kind of talking out loud. He wasn't commanding his guys to go get this water. He was just kind of talking like, man, I sure I'm craving some In-N-Out burger. You know what I mean? That'd be like me saying, I sure I'm craving some In-N-Out burger. Some of you guys go through World War III to get down there to Dallas and get me some In-N-Out burger and bring it back. It's kind of what happened here. He just kind of said it like, I like it. Look what happens. So the three broke through the Philistine lines. They drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and they brought it back to David. David was so shocked, he, he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. He said, the Lord forbid that I should drink this. He examined, this water is so precious as, as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. And these are examples of the exploits of these three mighty men. And can you see the picture here? I mean, think about it. These guys risked their life just to bring him a cool drink of water from that his favorite well. Not because he made them, just because they knew that's what the king wanted. I want to please the king. We'll give our life. I don't care. And when that happened, David was like, I thought, that's kind of a shame. Why did you drink that water? I mean, they risked their lives. But instead he said, no, I'm not even worthy to drink the water they bring here because it was done as an act of worship. And Father, I pour it out as an act of worship to you. These men sacrificed their dedication 
They're willing to, to fight. They're willing to stay with me. They're willing not to abandon them, to do the right thing. And men, today, I want you to know there's something that happens when you stand your ground. There's something that happens when you say, you know what? I don't care. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to, we're going to continue to fight. I'm going to honor the Lord even when it means risking my reputation. Even when it means risking what people think about me. Even when my family doesn't understand me. I'm going to have my house of, in the house of the Lord. I'm going to be dedicated. I'm going to give to the Lord. We're going to serve to the Lord. We're going to serve Him with all of our heart. And the Father, I believe Jesus takes that offering and he holds it up to the Father. He says, Father, look at their dedication. And it becomes an offering where Jesus says, look at the dedication. Father, do something great in these men. Father, do something great in these women. Father, do something great in these students. God, do something great because look at their dedication. Something that happens. I want you to stand on your feet this morning. Before we leave today, I'm going to invite every, every man in the house. Can you just join me around the front? I'm not going to do anything crazy, I promise. But I just want you to come to the front today. Every man, whether you're a father, whether you're young, as a teenager, just make a difference. Every man, come to the house today. Every boy, come to the house. Come to the front today. Join me around here. Come on, ladies. Give these guys a big hand as they make their way up here. Yeah. Press into the back. Make room for those coming in behind you guys. Come on in. I love this, guys, man. Wow. Step in. Some of you guys feel in the middle a little bit over here. Make room for those coming in down. Oh, there you go. Scoot in now. Let me say this to you guys. I, I believe greatness is inside every one of you. I see the greatness of God in every single man up here today. I see beyond failures. I see beyond limitations. And I see that God wants to do something great in every single life. Of every young, old, doesn't make a difference today. I believe God has still got things for you to do. For some of you, it's even bigger dreams than you can imagine. Some of you are like, man, pastor, my marriage is a wreck. How can God ever use me? I'm telling you, hold your ground. Hold your ground. Hold your ground. Hold your ground. Don't let go of your family. Don't let go of your God. Don't let go of what God's placed in your heart. There's greatness inside of you that he wants to do. And today I want to pray for you. I believe God is going to use you to be kingdom impact men. He's going to use you to have greatness come out of you for the kingdom of God, for your family to impact people. Can I invite you? Can you just simply lift your hands to God? To God, I give you all of my life today. Can we do that? God, I give you all of my life today. And as you do, I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray over every man, young, old, doesn't make a difference. God, I prayed over them today. And I call out the greatness of God in their life. They are bigger than failures. They are bigger than limitations. And I pray that Father, dreams will come alive again. Ministry will come alive again. Lord, passion will come alive again. Right now, I come against the enemy, which is trying to steal and kill and destroy dreams, hearts, and passion. And right now, I loose them in Jesus' name. Satan, let them go in Jesus' name. Let their heart go in Jesus' name. And I pray right now that, God, you are raising up a generation of men with a passion to follow you, committed to you, committed to the cause of Christ. And, Father, I declare right now and call out the great things of the Holy Spirit in their life in Jesus' name. Come on, guys. Give these guys a hand clap. Come on. Come on. Come on, guys. Let's press in around the altar. Let's sing a song together and close it today. Come on, Joe. Listen to the song. He's a great father.
want you guys to know, some of you may not know this, but we have a group of men that are already meeting here. It's kind of like a band of brothers. It really is. It's like a band of brothers, the guys who are just coming together at least once a month and sharing a meal together and just praying for each other at times. Sometimes they talk to a speaker, but it's only more about just getting together and just building those relationships. You need that. And so some of you here, when we get ready to dismiss, Pastor Tom's going to be right here in the very front. If you want to get on that list to say, Pastor, add me to the texting list so I can find out about upcoming events, he'll, he'll tell you the number where you can text it in, and you'll get those reminders when they're meeting and how often they're meeting. It's a really, really cool thing, and they have really good food too, okay? That's because all you ladies are sending really good food. Keep it up. We really like it. And, uh, man, you need to be involved, guys, okay? Maybe you can't make every time. It's okay. There's a lot of guys who come when they can. But get plugged in, okay? We need each other, all right? Turn to somebody, give a big high five, and say, I see greatness in you. Pastor Tom, be up here. God bless you. We love you.